Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the program. Tonight, I am joined by one of my favorite people, poet Linda Embler. Linda's newest book of poetry is Speaker's Frequency. Welcome, Linda. Thank you, Michael. What a beautiful introduction. That <laughs> means a lot to me. Thank you. Yes, Speaker's Frequency. Yes. Well, let's, let's begin this journey together. Tell me okay. about Speaker's Frequency. All right. It's a collection of uh, a bunch of different things. I always had this idea to write a book about the present and the past future together. So what I did is I came up with um, the basic book, Speaker's Frequency, and then the subtitle is The Here and Now, which is um, the present and then the there and then, which could either be the past or the future. So I, and I found poems that, I, I had enough poems that matched those kind of uh, categories, because this is a categorical book, like most of mine are. There's, uh, mm-hmm. there's subtitles underneath the basic, the, the here and now, and there's two subtitles under the there and then section. Mm-hmm. So that's basically how it's set up. But speakers frequency, tell me about the title. I'm sorry, tell you about what? The title. Oh, the title. Okay, speaker is, uh, Mike and I have a telescope, and we like to do stargazing, and speaker is one of our um, our navigational tourists, and we use speaker to, uh, as guide stars to position the telescope that we have. And so I'm very familiar with the, the speaker star, and I just thought the name speaker's frequency sounded cool. I mean, literally, that's why I came up with that name. So there it is. Well, it, 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 it's a fascinating title. I mean, it, it, it can mean so many different things to different people. At first I thought, oh, this is, this is science fiction here. This is a, a, a poetry around science fiction. And some of the poems could be, especially under the there and then section, uh, mm-hmm. that's where I get into some of the more, uh, the more the here and now section is more autobiographical and, and philosophical in nature, but it's not esoteric. You get into the there and then section, you get some of the fantasies, some of the dream frequent, uh, sequences. As a matter of fact, I have had this um, recurring dream for almost 50 years that I have documented, and I had written, it's about a mysterious corridor, and I had written a poem called Mysterious Corridor, and then I decided that I would talk about this dream and all the things that are involved in this dream, and I have uh, illustrated uh, the creatures in this dream, and now I've only oh put God. a few of the illustrations in the book, but that, that's, a, that's a part of the book. Well, do you plan to read that poem tonight? Uh, I can read, yes. I'm planning on reading the series corridor tonight. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. So let's let's okay. begin why, this why section we, of the program with you sharing your work. I want to hear your work. Let's go ahead and start with a mysterious corridor because I don't even know if we'll get to the there and then section mm-hmm. before our hour's up, but we'll start there. poem is entitled Mysterious Corridor. I wrote it about five years ago. As I walked barefooted with muted steps along the semi-lit, interminable, mysterious corridor, on each side I view the denizens of this strange environment. Who are they? These torpid ones who sit, stand, hang, or float in their isolated chambers. A gallery, perhaps a museum. They may represent the best or worst of their kind. They may be ancients or newborns, some quite hideous, some very beautiful, these silent, hermaphroditic figures with eyes closed, all their oddities on display. 
mist swirls around them, hard to see their entirety all at once. These are not of our world, except in nightmares or heaven or other mystical places. Yet they were familiar in some redolent way, to me anyway, because of my myriad visits, but I do not remember paying admission. They are not dead, nor posing. They offer nothing, nor do they beseech. If offered an exit, would they accept? Or did they choose this place, a refuge from a menacing life or ill-fated world? They are incurious about my presence, a relief, for I am the only one standing in this mysterious corridor, and I do not wish to see. That basically explains my feelings about the dream. And you've been dreaming that dream for 50 years? Uh Uh-huh. I've had that dream for 50 years. As a matter of fact, I had that dream the night after the uh, moon landing. And I don't, as I explained in the book, I don't attribute that to any kind of, you know, weird mystical thing that the moon landing, you know, caused the dream. It just so happens that that's when it, that's when it started. It was that, that night right after the the, the moon landing. So uh, that was pretty interesting. And I have documented it as far as uh, I've kept track of my characters and everything. I talk, I kind of talk about that entire process in the book. So that's for people to read when they buy the book is, is wow. what it looks like in real time and my relationship and everything. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's well documented. But as far as That's the rest a, of it, um, mm-hmm. I have the Here and Now, which is the, the poems for the present time, things that I've worked on, and subcategories are theory, tribute, message. I mean, I've got several uh, subsections. And uh, I well, would... If you go ahead, no, no, it sounds like this book was a book that you had to write. This poetry book, this something is, that you this just had to do. This, yeah, this, this is, this is uh, big questions, a little sleep. I had to write, and this is the only other book out of my nine that I knew I had to write. Yeah, this book had to be written. It had to be put together in a way that would make sense to me, in a way that would. Um, inspire other people to want to read it and to think of the different subsections such as theory in terms of uh, common experiences or just philosophical sorts of things. And I think once I read you my, my three poems from theory, you'll kind of understand what I'm talking about. And if you want me to, I can go ahead and do that right now unless you have another please. question. No, please share. Okay. Please share. This is a theory section, and I have three poems I'm going to read here, and I'll let you know when I'm done so that people don't feel like they're left hanging. This first poem is called, If Yellow Sang to Me. If Yellow Sang to Me of Bright Sun's Day, the consonants of corn on the cob served at picnics, sweet cream butter at the side. If Yellow Sang to Me as I watched the march of lemony taxicabs transporting frazzled strangers from airports to who knows where, the rhythm of bouncing saffron school buses conveying our future, a vase of sunflowers painted on canvas, the romantic interpretation through beautiful hands belonging to Van Gogh, harvest gold portrayed, stunning yellow tang, the maestro swimming amid corals in clear water, a cadence of newly sharpened pencils united with cobalt legal pads the aria of a canary song, a polyphony, bananas to be peeled and sliced, placed atop cereal, if yellow sang to me. And the second poem is called Choices in Frontier Town. And I, this one's kind of tongue-in-cheek. I, I really enjoy writing this one, and it's kind of fun to read. Amid tumbleweeds and clapboard buildings, standing upon dirt roads or a sawn timber dais, Snake oil men extolling their potions, their curing wares depleted by end of day. Risky whiskey, the magic elixir of 19th century self-proclaimed wizard. Was it truly hope in a bottle or just sanctioned intoxication? The Old West version of paper or plastic. 
and the last one is called The Chain of Days. And this one very easily could have been put into the there and then section because it's a little more philosophical and a little more, well, once I read it, I think you'll kind of see why it could have gone into the fantasy section. The Chain of Days and the Constant Succession of the Dead. Hard fathers, supine maidens with bright, creamy complexions, everyone selected beloved, Young man at the height of their bronze manliness, the youngest taken only as a last resort. Wooden or steel frameworks of the cadaver stage surrounds them, along with pretty formations of flowers. The living do not know how easy it is, the straightforwardness of dying anywhere. The dead have forgotten the fundamental impact of grief upon the living have overlooked the shock of our loss that moans inside our mortal coil. The deceased lie as clones. There's no pantomime, petrified limbs frozen in time, their voices joining the chant of the great silence. They use these newly developed skills to pose. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Lost my place here too. My allergies kill me at this time of year. <coughs> to display the signature of their rock star recognitions, seemingly expressing beauty in the silence, testifying contentment in the stillness. In the usual galaxy of the visitation, sympathies emerge. There is indiscriminate unmasking of what is left, and suitable saints and sinners are revealed. <clears throat> Some of their essence must go elsewhere, because after centuries of their numbers swelling, we are not hemmed in where we stand, so they must be leaving room for us to tie into the link. That and that's the end of that section. Oh, wow. Tell me about crafting the theory around those particular poems and that section itself. Okay. Uh, if Yellow's saying to me, I just kind of thought, okay, how can I uh, – first I made a list of things that were yellow. And I thought, okay, how can I make this sound pretty? As if, um, you know, synthesias when you have, uh, I think most probably listening know what it is, when you can, uh, can you have sounds that react to uh, a visual, a, a painting might respond, uh, be in response to uh, music. And... So I thought, okay, what does the color yellow represent? Because that's not one of my favorite colors. So I thought, but I want to make it a pretty color. So yes. I really challenged myself to make it a pretty color because of the fact that yellow is not something I particularly care for. I don't hate it, but I'm, I'm not partial to it. So I thought mm -hmm. of all the things that were yellow, and I thought, okay, how can I make this sound? For instance, the rhythm of bouncing saffron school buses conveying our future. Okay, well, the, <laughs> the future is obviously the children on the bus. I yes. mean, you know, I mean, to me, that's, that's a beautiful image. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I tried to do that. And then the stunning yellow tang, of course, we have a tang uh, swimming amid corals in clear water. And uh, then uh, uh, things along that line, you know, tactic cats, oh. uh, transporting frazzled people to who knows where. You know, a lot of times we wonder, I wonder who's in that taxi cab and I wonder where they're going. Yes. Choices in Frontier yes. Towns was just fun because I, I didn't I didn't really know how to, to end it. And then when I got to the point of the old version of uh, the old West version of paper and plastic or plastic, I thought, oh man, that, I am so smart. <laughs> that is so brilliant. <laughs> I just thought <laughs> I just thought that sounded like a really cool way to. I really also like the line "risky whiskey." I like yes. risky whiskey because it was kind of risky to drink whiskey back there. A lot of times people get poisoned. That is true. By it. <laughs> yeah, and then the well, chain of days was more was more about. Uh, I, I actually started with the end of that poem, which is thinking about if 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 the dead were still here. They'd be kind mm -hmm. of hemming us. I mean, there there wouldn't be any room for us to walk around, or we, you know, I mean, we'd just be a, a really overcrowded planet. I mean, that was my thinking on it. So they're leaving room wow. for us to tie into the link. So they're they're going somewhere. Uh, mm -hmm. Their essence is going somewhere, and while they're waiting for us, they're not getting in our way. You know, they're letting us move oh, around. Wow. So that that was my. I like the sound of that. 
Very nice. Thank you. you know, well, as you know, as you know, this is a call-in show, Linda, and we have a couple oh, of callers. Oh my God! Let's bring this first person in. Yes, area code nine one two. The first three numbers are four six seven. You're on the air with Linda. Good evening. Hi, this is uh, Mark Anthony Rossi. How you doing? Well, hey, Mark. <laughs> How are you? Very nice, Mark. Thank you for having the show yes. and having such a free and fair form for writers. They really can use it, and I, I really appreciate it. Well, I think I've heard a lot about you, so thank you so much for calling in. Uh, it makes me happy. Writers, whenever I, whenever I can, you know, before I get the kids to bed and try to get a little time in to help some folks out there. Of course, I love right. writing. We publish her regularly in the aerial chart. Um, I, I love this whole conversation about the dead because I, I laugh about the dead a lot. I said, the dead are the only group of people that know the lottery numbers, but they don't need the money anymore. So it's a, a weird <laughs> irony in the cosmos, you know? That is true. That is true. <laughs> Do you have a question for Linda? Well, anything I'm, that comes to mind. I'm always, I'm always, I'm always happy to, to, to hear and, and, and see her work because the best thing I like about Linda and any kind of writer that that wants to go forward is they don't really take things for granted. So you could read one book for another book to another book for Linda, and you're always going to get a, a, a different style, a, a different opinion, a different viewpoint. You're not going to get someone that does the same thing over and over again. So. I like mm-hmm. uh, the inspiration from the dreams that she's doing in this particular book, and I like how she talks about the dead or even even in space. It's just the things that people don't always talk about in, in, in poetry. They, For some reason, they, they think poetry is supposed to just be a, a couple of hallmark moments in, in a rhyme. Yes. Like but you can talk yes. about you know, terrible and difficult things and, and still you know bring truth to people, and, and sometimes that's the best thing about poetry can bring you that that big impact in in a small package. So I wanted mm-hmm. to, I wanted to thank you for that, Linda. I like that, thank Linda. You. That's, that was very that's nice. Very, that means a lot to me. Yeah, thank you. That means a lot. Well, that's, right. that's the kind of work that she does, and I, I, I as a writer myself, sometimes I wish I did more of that. So you know, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm following her sometimes, other than the other way around. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so thank much. You, and you never know, Mark, when I'll be in touch with you about being a guest on my show. So be ready. I'm free. And thank you very much for the invitation. You guys have a wonderful yes. evening. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you, sir. very much. All right. All right. Let's show the next caller. Area code 630. The first three numbers are 467. You're on the air with Linda. Linda, how are you? Do you have any idea who you're I'm, speaking with? Oh gosh, I've got just I need. Oh my god! Can I gosh. ask you a personal question? Yes, you Why may. in the hell would anybody want to live in Oklahoma or Kansas? Michael Lee Johnson, this is you. This is you. I thought it was you, but I I thought your voice didn't sound deep enough. Have you heard something done? My my lady friend, my caretaker, is on the other phone right now doing her own little agenda, and we're sort of sharing loudness, and I mean I should say a little bit more silence. Oh my gosh. I got a question for you, Linda. What makes you so okay. great? What makes you mm. so great? Uh, that is your opinion, and it's wonderful that you think that. I'm just an average person who has a passion for writing, and likes to, and uh, an avid reader. And I think I put those together, and whether it's great or not. Uh, to be honest with you, Michael, I don't like, love, or even like everything I've ever written, um, but I do my best, and I try and make it interesting, uh, and I try and make it so that it's understandable, and I try to make it so that people have to ponder something about it. I think uh, in my first book, I had a quote in there from Anton Chekhov. It says, an artist's job is not to answer questions, but to ask them. And I thought, that's the kind of writer I want to be. That's the kind of poet I want to be. I want people that, to be left with more 
questions and answers after they read something I wrote. In other words, you know, the fact it, I, it, in the particular third line, what did she mean by that? Or that's kind of an interesting way to think about that. Let me think about that a little bit more. And then people kind of develop questions based off that. So that's mm-hmm. my style. All right. Well, that's sort of why. Oh. That's sort of why I, I keep asking you questions is because you like people to ask you questions, and I find you a bit of a mystery. And somebody <laughs> who makes guitars and writes poetry and has <laughs> some kind of a lover or your husband or something out there that knows what he is, is all about and how to stick wooden pieces together, make them stick with clamps. I mean, that's pretty creative. You know, well, thank you. I, uh, you know, thank you. Well, it is. You know, thank in you, all Michael. honesty, in all in all earnest, uh, what I admire about Linda, are many things I admire about Linda, but uh, one of them is living in Oklahoma. But uh, the second thing is, um, by the way, I'm competing with my caretaker here. We can probably overhear her voice. But anyway, uh, some of the things that I really like is uh, your compassion. Uh, a lot of these things are intangible. You know, your compassion, your support for others is incredible. You know, you've been very supportive of me. You've been very supportive of members in my Facebook groups that I sometimes am there, sometimes get blocked out of. Um, You simply have, in my mind, your own unique voice, your own unique message. And um, I just probably, in terms of the, the number of people in my very groups, in terms of females, and I have no idea how many females are in my four or five different groups, but you certainly, as a female, come in the top five or ten, or probably in the top five. So I find well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And create a person. And most of all, mm-hmm. maybe because you're so doggone down to earth. <laughs> she is, well, Michael. I am short. <laughs> you know. And Michael Anthony, before I forget it, uh, God bless yes. you, my friend. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to forget it. Actually, I said several private prayers. I'm not very good at prayers yes. because I swear too much. You know, but the bottom line is, my goodness, my friend, my goodness, I share your loss. Mm-hmm. Thank it's, you, sir. Uh, no, I'm serious. Thank uh, you. I, I saw. I went to Georgia. Is it Georgia? I believe. And then I looked up the, North, uh, the obituary. North Carolina. Know, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. North Carolina, mm-hmm. and read a little bit about yes. it because there was an obituary there. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. And I found it somehow, whatever, and not for sure exactly how. But uh, oh. gracious woman, obviously, she obviously raised um, a very te- intelligent, compassionate she sure did. person. Well, person. I could say black Thank person, you, Michael. But, you know, whatever. You know, yes, anyway, Michael, we appreciate you calling. You rest up. All right. Thank you, sir. Until next no time, problem. Michael. I'm just gonna hang I'm just gonna hang in here and uh I'm listening on the phone for now and if when my lady friend gets off the phone I'm gonna probably go back okay. to listening to it online. But anyway, you guys right, go back then. to what you're doing. All okay. Right. We've got okay, one more Michael, caller Linda. Oh, oh, okay. We've got one Great. more caller. Great. Okay. Oh, all right. Oh, all right, area code nine two eight. The first three numbers are 503. You're on the air with Linda. Hello, Linda. How are you? This is Donald Dean Mace. This is Donald. Good evening. I'm sorry, say it again. Yeah, this is Donald. Um, yeah, you know me also from Ariel Chart. I wanted to... Um, oh, to, uh, yes, Donald Mace. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> my ears weren't working very well. How are you, Donald? <laughs> I'm doing great. How about you? I want to read a couple of lines of one of your poems. Uh, I thought it was really beautifully done. Uh, and it's called My Crowded Bed. Really nicely done. And, and it goes like this. Just the first part of it was, Every night I fall asleep with them, the dead, those living yet so very distant, an old friend, family. They come when my dreams call them, or they show up uninvited on the front porch of my mind where they knock or ring until I answer. I just thought that wow. was that was really beautiful. Nice job, Linda. Oh, thank you. I, yes, that was yes. Yeah, that was my credit dead. Yeah. And and, and <laughs> yeah. Michael, I don't have that uh, I don't have that one in front of me. Uh, thank you, Donald, for, for bringing that one up. Um 
that poem is called My Crowded Bed. And it's all about all the people. And the, the last line is something along the line of uh, uh, help me endure the dark. You know, regardless wow. of whether they ring the bell or, I, or whether I bring them to the forefront of my mind or they force themselves to the forefront of my mind, they're the people I love, and, I, and they help me endure the dark. So that's really what that poem is about, and that one was published in Aerial Chart. Oh, very nice. Yeah, that was quite thank, thank you, Donald. Do you have a question yeah. in addition? Yeah. It's good to hear from you. And it, by the way, Donald, yeah, you need to get Donald on your show too. He's awesome. Okay. All right. Yeah. You've okay. got a question, sir. Uh, yeah. So I was going to ask you, Linda, what drives you to write, number one? What really drives you? And two, where do you find, where do you dig around and find your deepest inspiration? <laughs> good questions. Those are very good questions. Um what inspires me to write? I, a lot of times what inspires me to write are the what ifs of life. You know, what if this, what if that, and uh, kind of break that into categories. If this, then this would be the style for that, for that poem. If that, then that would be the style for, for this one. So it depends on what comes after the what if. That's the best way that I can answer it is, 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 for instance, what if I eat cornflakes for breakfast instead of eggs? I mean, you know, that's, I'm just making something up here. But, you know, take each one of those separately and which direction do I want to go and, and how does that turn out? Uh, and, and in your second question, um, I don't what really know sometimes. Yeah, no, right. I, I, I remember um, – I'm just trying to think of what what the inspirations are. I guess it's just things around me. Um, I'm inspired by a lot of things, but um, I think it's just life. I'm, I'm there's a there's a line in Les Mis where the the priest is talking about um, being dazzled dazzled by God. And I thought that was such a great line. And I thought, you know, I, I think we all should be dazzled by God. And, what, you know, if, if you don't believe in God, then you should be dazzled by what you see around you. You know, nature, um, you know, we're, we're on a rock circling through space, you know, hurtling around and, you know, and, and around this great big hydrogen ball. And we're not supposed to be wondering why this is happening. That's me not to be curious about life and how things work and how people tick. That's a big travesty to, to not even have any curiosity about this curious person. So I think that's good. Wow. Very nice. Thank you, Donald, for calling in. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh, have a nice one. Yeah, have a good I'll evening. You, when you get him on the right. show, I'm calling in. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> Let's take a brief break, Linda, and we'll be right back. All right? Yes. My name is Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with Linda Embler. We're at the halfway point. Linda, what I'd like to do from this point forward is to turn the program over to you to share your work. So please, please okay. favor us. Uh, okay. Yes. Uh, no more questions. No more questions. Oh, All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's fine. Uh, I'm going to uh, start in the tribute section which is the next section after 
after the theory. And there is just one poem that I would like to read from there. You know, 9-11 was very, very difficult for everyone. And um, I then I ended up reading this newspaper article at some point about these two men who had actually saved this woman's life by carrying that She was wheelchair-bound. They carried her down the stairs. And uh, I thought that was such an amazing thing for for them to do. And I wrote this poem called um, Batman Recalculating. And I think the recalculating part will come in there once. And I'm sorry, I'm hunting for it real quickly. I should have it here. Okay. Oh, I see where it is. Okay. Sorry. Don't mean to hold it. Okay. Anyway, uh, it's Batman recalculating. The recalculating part will become clearer as the poem goes on. As children, they did not know their mothers were grooming them to be Batman, giving them capes of compassion and utility belts of courage, teaching them to always rise above their problems, to raise their grades, to raise their children, to look up, to reach for the stars to reach for the pie in the sky. Today, the power of that high, high rise, once more luring them upward, turns deadly when the planes hit. Today, all they can do is descend 90 minutes and 68 levels of stairs carrying a wheelchaired woman. They make it outside right before the towers fall. All the time going down, hearing their mother's voices, reminding them, do what is right, though your knees shake. Do what is right, although your arms tremble. Do all you can, even if it could take you into the ground. Mm. So they had been taught, basically, look up, look up, look up, look up, and that day they had to go down. So that's where the recalculation came from. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, the next beautiful. section is, thank you. The next section I dedicate to those two men. It's called Message, and uh, the poem that I sent you, The Waiting Man Paints His Mind, that one was published in um, Mad Swirl, and um, I'm going to read that one. No one stops to listen while the holy painter describes his technique and why he chose his colors thus. Even with his pitiful disassociation, dreams of this portrait will haunt him. None suspect his stuffed background of experiences. This unimportant man, this waiting man who asks the day if anyone feels love. A torture battles his thousand spirits as the sanity thief lurks, unwilling to offer a reasoned viewpoint. Inside this consequence, his spooky abilities still let him manage his brush. Fresh paint thrown upon the canvas. He shifts his emphasis to the form of the subject until he completes his binding task. And no one stops to listen nor answer as this waiting man asks if anyone feels love. This poem was inspired by a, actually by a, a picture I saw of a homeless man who was painting a, an image of Jesus on a sidewalk and people were just walking by him. Nobody was paying attention to him, and I thought it was so beautiful what he was doing, and he was actually asking a question about love, but nobody was listening. So as sad as that is, that's where my inspiration for that one came from. The next one is called Where's Redemption? And I wrote this one one day when I was mad, and I wanted it to be, and you'll know why. I know it's not war paint, Michael. <laughs> okay. I am my own project tunefully composing my theme song using my own thoughts, voice, and soul. There's no mistaking my well-orchestrated, stable grounding except by those who are tone deaf. I have memories of promises sung to me, then broken, nails on a chalkboard. The cheaters have accused me, chiming about my lively past, exaggerated. Liars have accused me, vocalized about my escapades that happened. The insecure want me in their choir, but they refuse to press the pin that loosens the spring latch of the music ball and release benevolence. But I don't choose to harbor resentment. I only wait for considerate mention of me. And at the end of all those songs comes payment, and mine shall be exoneration. So that's wow. my message on my mad day. 
because I'm going to The next section is the, the next section is amity, and I'm going to read one poem for that one. And this one was inspired not so much. You know, I I, I wrote a couple of poems about COVID and you know people being locked in their houses and you know all the little sad miserable things. And I thought, okay, yes. at the end of what's what's life going to look like and i thought well this this is what i hope life will look like at the end of uh, end of all this code business it's called i'll see you at the tavern bringing stories brought in stories taken out word weavers with tall pictures spilling drinks and memories stories respun evolved stellar a place where the lonely do not feel the stillness of time their tears postponed a place where the mad ones come to confess and to dream, to change their realities and their biographies. Narrators in straight back chairs, acting as high priests, wielding their bottles as microphones, their bar stools, their pulpits. As shadows bloom while night creeps forward and shades of gray fill the room, the high hats have as much chance to fall from a stool as anyone else. I'll see you at the tavern. Bring your tales. So that is my hope for the end of all this. Mm-hmm. I'll be at the tavern. If you don't drink, come to the tavern because, hey, <laughs> good times. Come to the tavern anyway. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. I like that. I okay. like that a lot. <laughs> yes. And then uh, I'm going to switch over to the there and then section. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to read this poem called uh, The Seven Sons of Zachariah. I don't write a lot of rhyming, but when I do, I try and hit the mark as best I can. This is one of the earliest poems that I ever wrote. Um, and I think hopefully people will, will like it. Here it is. There's a lot of pages in this book. There's almost 300. I've got a mark. Oh my God, Linda! Wow, <laughs> wow! I know I have a I have a this is why I know this is why I don't sleep and I have bags under my eyes <laughs> just up all night. <laughs> okay, this is called the Seven Sons of Zachariah. All seven sons of Zachariah had talent bona fide. Their father more pariah than Messiah, necromantic personified. The first son claimed he spoke to animals and that they answered back. The second son could change appearance, his hair from blonde to black. Number three sang like a bird. He literally warbled. The fourth could curse you with bad luck and make your situation horrible. Five and six were always together. Between them they planned, for short times their control of weather, each an arcane weatherman. Leaving number seven, the seventh son, the last, born outside a dolmen, his gift stands unsurpassed. No healer he, nor minor be, as legend is suggestive of, he's the only one in the family who ever learned to love. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. That was so touching. And then, oh, I'm sorry? I said that was so touching. So touching peace. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I like that one. That's one of my rhyming ones that um, I felt like was based on stuff mm-hmm. and uh, actually made sense when it was done. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Now, uh, this one here is called Azatoth, and Azatoth was a chaos god that H.P. Uh, Lovecraft wrote about, and he is supposedly the person that dreamed the world. So this one's kind of interesting. This was my take on him <clears throat> being in charge of, you know, whether we're here or not. Ancient Azatot, who dreams the shape of secret things, elaborations created while in sleep he lies. All magicians and emperors alike dreamt. Mental ink lays out all reality, midnight rituals to morning routines, timed and played out in his mind. But he's not aware. Shh, 
We must float along. All of us must float through time. Actors played upon his stage, fearing at the trumpet blast he'll wake and all life will shut down. The tangled drama of the world shall melt. So mm. watch out for him. Yeah. Oh, yes. Wow. Linda. Sublime work, Linda. Sublime. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm. Do you I'd have like to ask a question. Before? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> I would okay, not be fine. me if I did not ask. <laughs> I know. If I'm I didn't ask these questions, I'm, I'm bubbling over, bubbling over with questions. Okay, speaker's prophecy, excuse me, speaker's frequency, 300 pages. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about yourself writing this book? I think I'm obsessive compulsive for one thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I, it, was hard, it was really hard to know where to stop. But I had so much, mm-hmm. uh, so many poems per section, and I thought, okay, now I'm going to pare it down, which I did. But I knew that I had to have uh, – I, tr- I tried to make – not quite even, but I thought, okay, if if I have a subtitle that says here now, it's got however many poems in it, and then I've got a subtitle called There and Then, and it'll have three poems in it. People are going to be a little irritated. They're going to want to know where the There and Then went. So I felt like mm-hmm. I you know, kind of needed to put a little bit more. It's a shorter section, but it's... Um, so that's I, I don't know I just I write a lot and it's got to yes. fit somewhere and and I feel like for each of these sections that I came up with uh, you, you know the waiting man paints his mind that could very well go under a tribute section that could yes. go under amity that could go under humanity I mean but I decided to put it under message because that we yes. the message is clear we need to. We need to answer that question ourselves, whether he's the one asking or we're the ones asking. It needs to be well, were there were there any surprises? Any surprises? Um, I don't know. I that that's about your really writing really about your writing about your writing style about uh life about anything or any anything surprise you about this book. Uh no, not nothing really surprised me other than uh I realized that um I almost didn't put Where's Redemption in there which by the way was nominated for a best of the net. Oh, really? Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. That one was Uh Mark Anthony Rossi uh, nominated that one for Best of the Net. He really liked it. And, of course, I really liked it. Like I said, that was my mad one. And so I think Mm -hmm. leaving that one in there was probably a surprise because basically what I say at the the very beginning uh, inside the book, I've got a dedication to all. I've got humanity born of water, living of air, buried of fire or earth, and then speak as frequency across the universe. How vast the human heart and how far-reaching memories can be when seen from within the stars. And I thought, okay, most of the books about love, about uh, dignity, about uh, sacrifice, about missing people we love, uh, yes. Learning, learning to connect, and then I think the fact that I wouldn't take Rear's Redemption, which is a great poem, I love it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's mm-hmm. my mad poem. I think, I think leaving that one in there, I thought, okay, I'm just going to do it. But then I realized, wow, I left that one in there because it could go in another book very easily. But that's where I decided to to keep it. Now I want to read you one that's. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, please, please, please. I'm enjoying this. Okay. This one um, is one of those what ifs. It's under the uh, category of there and then. It's called Her Charcoal Cape. And I saw, again, I saw a picture of this woman wearing a big cape. 
and I thought, okay, what, what, what's this woman's story? Because I'm always asking myself, you know, things like that. Or who, who is this person? What? Anyway, I, I just created a biography for her. So here it is. Her shadow play, thin and fleeting, in a somber cloak and obsidian mantle, obscuring, enshrouding, arms of, in, in, obscuring, enshrouding arms of great length. The Stygian wrap disguises the glint of the blade. She on the streets of Whitechapel, no need for ambush. Who would suspect another woman who, while matching steps, was indeed stalking women, searching abdomens for her long-lost babe when grief has turned to madness? Now, that poem has two layers in it. First of all, uh, I'm referring to Jack the Ripper because that's where yes, okay. where he uh, was in Whitechapel. Mm-hmm. And then, what, but why would, and then, and I, okay, what, what if she was were a woman, why would she be doing this? Well, she's doing this mm-hmm. because she's looking for her dead child. Wow. Searching for abdomens for her long lost babe when grief has turned oh. to madness. This, see, this is where my oh. mind goes. So, okay. <laughs> Michael Lee asked what my inspiration, Donald asked what my inspirations are. Too much Twilight Zone, maybe. <laughs> Well, this is a good question for you then. Do you try to be more original or to deliver to your readers what they want? How does that work for you? You've written that's nine books. Question. No, that's, that's an excellent question. My answer is very simple. I write for myself. I read okay. for an audience. Uh, oh, I read, okay. uh, yeah. I read for an audience. You know, I've I've read at a red ha- ladies' red hat luncheons, and I read some. I, I wouldn't read any of the stuff then there. I read stuff about women, which mm-hmm. uh, when I read to them it was my Red is the Sunrise book, which is all about women and raising children and this you know all all, all the womanly things. Um, okay. I don't think anything in this collection would particularly go in that book. If I were reading mm-hmm. to uh, a different type of, if I were reading to, say, a uh, uh, science fiction group, you know, some of this stuff would, would go. So I choose mm-hmm. carefully what I read. I try and make okay. it so, um, so that my stuff is, um, can be universally understood. But since mm-hmm. this is, a show where I'm talking about my writing and what my inspirations are. I'm kind of going with some different things. Right. I can understand that. You know, again, you've okay. written nine books. All right. If you could mm-hmm. tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Well, I don't really have a younger writing self. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. I do. Um, when, I was a, when I was a young girl, everything had to rhyme. And it was okay. all about nature, and that was great. Right. You know, when you're 19 years old, that's 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 kind of the thing. As I went mm-hmm. into my teens and started listening to music, started listening to lyrics, I realized people are telling stories and they're asking questions about things. That's where mm-hmm. I wanted. That's where I want to go. I really didn't start writing uh, seriously until I retired. So oh wow! I didn't know that. January 2015 oh, wow. was when I started writing. Uh, All right. poetry. Now, I'd always been a wordsmith. I'd always done newsletters at work and, you know, all sorts of prose and things like that. But as far as poetry, I had, I didn't have a slightest clue how to write a poem when I started. I just started mm-hmm. writing. I thought I'd put something together and tried to figure it out. And I've learned a lot since then. You, know, I've read a lot of poetry and I've read more books and I've tried different styles. I think that's important to try to write in different styles. Yes. Yes. One last question, and then we'll turn it over to you again for some more poems. Has a poem ever ever humbled or frightened you? One of your own. Yes. Um, to both of those. And if you ask me to name them right off the top of my head, maybe it wasn't as traumatic as I thought. Um, okay. Has a poem ever frightened me? I think one of the ones that did frighten me was I wrote a, uh, a it's, it's a rather long poem called Year Among the Stars, and it was about a little boy 
who and it, it, it's actually, if I don't mind saying so, it's very well written. All right. Uh, it's taken at each. He, he he's one year old when he passes away, but at each month, uh, he's. I I, I attribute his actions to uh, what he's learning how to do, whether it's learning how to play with water, you know, which is in when when. Scorpio's and Ascension and all this. I, I did a lot of research on it, both on the child development part and on the uh, where the stars are in the sky. Oh, That's wow. a big interest of mine. Uh, it scared me because um, it was about him getting exposed to measles and dying from measles and mm. by two unvaccinated children. This is way back before this whole COVID thing started. Yes, so I thought, yes, I don't know yes. how a parent reading this would accept this or mm-hmm. how people, the anti-vaxxer people, would accept this poem if they read it. Uh, so that one, maybe scared isn't the word, maybe more worried. I was more worried yes, about I'm how sure. that one might be accepted. But I've never gotten a hate letter about it. So, And, and don't start right. today, folks, okay? Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going to turn it over to you again to share some more of your work. Okay, I'm going to read a tribute poem. Uh, this one's kind of this one was fun to watch. It's called Empty Benches, and this is this one, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is dedicated to all you poets out there or, or wannabe poets. Um, if you've ever written a poem, this is this is dedicated to you because we're we're all on the same page as far as what we're doing. One might comment, look at all those empty benches. Yet the poet sees an old woman who is a young girl rescued uh, and raised a baby bird, a lonely man whose wife cancer took, a child reviewing his to Santa, twins identical, a young woman engrossed in her novel, dreamers and schemers, leaders, teachers, cheaters, lovers and others, Criers and liars and gentle tear dryers, smilers and beguilers, anglophilers and reconcilers, addicts recovered and stars discovered, mothers and muggers, truckers and conductors, screamers and believers. For the poet, empty benches do not exist. Wow. Because we're so imaginative. I mean, we're creative yes. people. So we see something, you know, yeah, it's just got to be, got to be out there. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's see. Uh, Look at my little list here. Uh, In Need of Company is another one. That, That one went under my connections. This is another one that I feel like is kind of, this one very well could have gone under message because there is a message to it. And I'm sorry, I'm flipping around here. I do have this. I am organized. Oh, I know that. You've written a 300-page book. (laughs) Organization is is important to you. Yes. Well, phooey, let's see. There's clear window. I'm sorry. If you're on if you're on the air with me, me and don't hang up because I promise I'll get my act together just as quickly as I can here. Everything is okay. Yeah, we just don't I just know people do not care for dead air space. Okay, <laughs> there's clear window. And if I can't find it in about two seconds, it's called In Need of Company. And I think it's All kind right. of important because it has a message. Don't worry about me. I don't need company. I have a world filled with dreams and images and good books. It may seem that I'm alone within this private zone, yet I have all the things my heart desires to fill my days. But if you wish to help, Then make my wish be felt. Find someone without dreams or friends or hope. Fix that for them. What a grand miracle. Three lives now bearable. Such a large count at the end of all things. We will change the world. 
in the end. Your voice took on a different resonance, resonance when you shared that piece. What was happening? That was so strong. Uh, I, I think what, part of what was happening was the more personal that a poem is to me, the more I enunciate and the more I mm-hmm. sound emphatic. And to All me, right. this is a big one. You know, yeah, right. don't, don't, don't worry about me. Just, you know, get out there and help somebody. Yeah, do something for somebody. Beautiful, beautiful statement, beautiful statement. You've got one more for Thank us you. before we close? I do have, yes, I have one more uh, before we go. This one is called When That Old Bridge Falls Down. In dense dark, through a veiled hole, friending shadows and rocks in a bid to connect with who is now left when that old bridge falls down. When war is done, when some forms of flesh have survived transmutation, how we now appear, pale and bestial, will be at odds with what is swirling within our beautiful hearts when that old bridge falls down. To see what's crumbling, this brave new world, our inheritance, to know that to rebuild will take new action, new thoughts, to feel inside that underground days must come to an end, to no longer look at others as if a wide river divides us, to understand bridges are meant to be links, not scaffolds used to stage rifts when that old bridge falls down. The end. Mm. Wow. What do you hope that readers get from encountering your work? Uh, back to the questions of questions. You know, back to back to what I said about Chekhov. You know, yes. an artist should not give as many answers as they give questions. Uh, question mm. everything. Be dazzled. You know, get out there and be dazzled. Smile, mm. be kind, and be dazzled. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, as a writer, here's a fun question that I've I've started to ask lately. What would you choose as your as your spirit animal? What would you choose to be your spirit animal or mascot, and why? Oh Lord, <laughs> uh, I would choose a cow because number one, I love cows, but I love cows for do you? I love cows. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I I I, I do love cows very much. I think it's because they're so they have those beautiful eyes and they're so mellow. I mean, cows just kind of stand around. You know, you don't ride them like you ride a horse, and you don't, you know, teach them tricks like you do a dog. Uh, and they don't run and you know hide under the bed like a cat. <laughs> and they don't fly away. No, they don't. Away, so they're always just kind of, uh, yeah, yeah. They're always just kind of there for you. Uh, they, they do require a lot of food, but then so do I. So you know that we have that connection also. And uh, they're just, they're, they're just kind of, they just, they're just kind of mellow. They are. They exist. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> you know, forget forget the beef and all that. We won't even go down that route. But, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what's next for you creatively, my friend? Well, I actually have another book that's done, but I haven't done anything with it yet. I need to talk to Mark about it. If Mark, if you're if you're there, I'll be talking to you. Um, <laughs> It, it's a book of uh, it's basically a book of Latin phrases, and then I wrote a poem based on, you know, what's in there. I have a couple more books in the uh, in the pipeline, but I, I need to kind of spread them out. I'm trying to do more in terms of SoundCloud, you know, doing readings and things. I'm doing more translations. I just had three poems translated into Afrikaans by the talented oh, wow. Don Bukes, yes. Yes, and yes, I know Don. And I have a Spanish translator in the pipeline. She's translating poems for me now. I also have a friend named Bob Sala in Mauritius, which is outside of Africa, and she does mm-hmm. uh, 
Mauritian Creole, and she also translates into French. So, but she's not starting until the 15th, so I'm waiting for her. So get some more translations done. Some of those other things that I've seen people do, I, I mean, I've had things translated before, but I really mm-hmm. haven't spent as much time on it, and I haven't spent as much time doing live reading. I need to. Yes. Yeah. You know, I was all ready to start going out and do live readings, Michael, and then COVID hit. You know, and that kind of put, oh, a, yeah. put a stopper on that. Put a damper on it. Yes. So, yes, I understand. Yeah, doing more interviews and just just getting my work out there more. I'm I'm really I'm really weak on promoting myself. I, I yes, really I really am. Uh, yeah. You know, I I love the the creative process, but the submitting is okay. But you know. I, I I love to read my my work, but I don't want it. I don't want to be bragging about it. If that makes sense. Yeah, so just, it does make sense. So, it does make sense. Yeah. Well, we've reached the end of our journey, Linda. Again, I yeah. I think you're wonderful. I know it seems to go so fast. <laughs> we had fun this week. <laughs> we did. Oh, I always so love talking with you. I do. I, yes. I love talking with you. I love your questions. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Great show. Thank you, as always. You, you're one of my favorite people. You're welcome back here anytime. Speaker's frequency is available everywhere. I assume. Am I correct? It's it's available at Amazon. I can tell you that. Let's start All right. there, and that. Yeah. All right, that's the best place to start. All right, my friend. Yes, Take care. Is. Continue to be wonderful, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, you too, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yes. Good night, everyone. And as I share with you every week, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night. Until next time, be safe and be well. You have just listened to the Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio Podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode.